Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on journalist Alex Berenson, author of Pandemia. You can subscribe to his Substack, Unreported Truths. Alex, I was thinking, I can't believe it's almost been three years since you've been coming on this show. <laughs> this this lunacy it, it, is... It is unbelievable. It, it, I mean, do you ever think to yourself sometimes, I mean, so much has happened, especially in your life, but the, but the general COVID craziness has maybe subsided just a little bit, but not a lot. Well, I mean, I do think it's subsided actually considerably among, you know, most folks. You know, I think most people are basically done, uh, you know, and I think obviously most people did get vaccinated and are sort of hoping at this point that, you know, that they are not hurt from it. They, I don't think people expect much from it, but uh, they'd be happy right now just to sort of forget they ever got vaccinated. A lot of people. But, yeah. but you know, our public health authorities and their brilliance will not let this go. Um, you know, they, they sort of randomly sometimes say they're going to put, you know, masks back on kids. Uh, although, you know, they, they, whenever they've tried that in places like L.A., they've sort of had to drop it again. Um, and certainly they're not done with the vaccines um, in the face of what you would say at best is a widespread apathy, if not dislike of these vaccines. They continue to try to push them with the newest plan being, you know, we're going to try to get you to take one a year in the fall. Um, which is a great idea, except that the vaccines at best right now seem to have about a, you know, six week window of, of working. <laughs> so I'm not sure what I'm not sure what they think that will do for the other 46 weeks. And that's the best. Case. Yeah. So so what makes you say the, the vaccines are a disaster? Is that from the standpoint of, of nobody's getting them? Like what are the what's the data say? I there? Mean, I, mean, uh, I mean, so here's why I'd say they are a disaster at best. OK. It, they don't work, right? They, they don't stop COVID, okay? They don't stop infection. They don't stop transmission. Um, you will hear probably until the end of time that they stop serious disease and death. Yes. But the fact is, uh, you know, more than 100,000 Americans will die of COVID this year, you know, maybe 150,000. Um, and, you know, what people are now saying is, well, those are really old, sick people, um, and that's true. But that was true two years ago, too. So, um, it, you know, it's just it's just not at all clear that they do anything now for, you know, for a few months in 2021, they appeared to work. OK, they, they we, there's definitely this period. And I wrote about this in pandemia and, it, you know, you can see it even more clearly with the benefit of hindsight. There's a short period after the first couple doses when you get a lot of antibodies and they actually do what's promised. They you know, they suppress infection. And, they, and because you're not getting infected, you're obviously not going to die, right? So they also stop severe disease and death pretty clearly. But those days are long gone. Um, you know, they, they, the mechanism of action of the vaccines, these mRNA vaccines, is not like other vaccines. We still don't really know what the long-term impact is. And the, the virus has changed. It's Omicron now. It's mutated away from the original, and the vaccines don't work very well. So that's why... You know, everybody knows this. They may not know, you know, the details of T cells and B cells and ITG4 and, you know, this and that. People have other things to do. I understand. You know, they don't have, you know, time to worry about the details. But they know that that the vaccines don't stop COVID. They know it because they've been vaccinated and gotten COVID. Their friends have been vaccinated and gotten COVID. And in some cases, might have even gotten pretty sick after being vaccinated. 
So everybody knows that. And even without any side effects, let's say the vaccines had no side effects, which is not true, but let's say they had no side effects. Giving people a medicine that doesn't work is pointless. So that's for, and, and, and everybody knows that. And so no one wants these. Alex Berenson, our guest here on the Hammer and Nigel show. Alex Jason Hammer here. Over the last three years, you have had an incredible ride. The ups, the downs. For somebody that has heard your name, but not quite familiar with everything that's gone on up to COVID, set the record straight here. Are you anti-vax or anti-corruption, anti-government mandate? No, I, I'm, I'm. Look, I don't like the mRNA vaccines. That's for sure. Um, I'm not anti-vax in general. I was vaccinated as a child. My children have gotten all the standard childhood vaccines. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't. I'm not anti-vax. I, I mainly, I think that pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, have a long and not great history of being in it for the money. And, you know, I covered the pharmaceutical industry for the New York Times for a number of years, so I saw it up close. And I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think these companies are to kill people or anything like that. But when they spend a lot of money on a product and they are making a lot of money selling that product, they're going to go out of their way to present it in the best possible light possible, uh, the best possible light. And they and sometimes that means hiding the truth. And we used to reporters used to know that. Like, I mean, you know, the left used to know that. But now they seem to think Pfizer is, you know, is Moses. I don't understand it at all. And then what does it say to you that, like, we just had the story last week, how the U.K. Um, and, and their relationship with the uh, the COVID shots are are, yeah. are changing, right? They're not even so recommending it for people under 50 anymore. That's right. They're basically not recommending it for people under 50. And, and the reason that they're doing that is they, even based on optimistic assumptions about how well the boosters work, okay, optimistic, unrealistically optimistic, they estimated that they'd have to give almost a million, one million people under 50 the shots to prevent one case of COVID that would lead to needing oxygen in the hospital. Okay, a million shots for one case. Just on a, on a pure, even if there were no side effects, and again, there are side effects. There's myocarditis, there's other side effects. That's a terrible waste of money. It, that would cost $100 million to stop one hospitalization. We can spend that money so much better. So the British, who are smarter about this than we are, are, you know, are recognizing at least some of the truth here. Alex, you mentioned earlier that the pharmaceutical companies, uh, they're not really quick to put the truth out there. Do you think the CDC is the same way right now? I, I think, unfortunately, yes. I think that, you know, unfortunately, our public health establishment got very, very, they fell very, very hard for these vaccines. And they, um, they don't want uh, to recognize, you know, obvious problems with them. And how many people in the United States currently are are clamoring to get these vaccines? Is that the other reason why you say they're a failure is because really nobody is lined up around the corner to get these things anymore? Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. So if you look now, here's an interesting statistic that people don't know. You know, there's all this talk about how, you know, I killed people. Tucker Carlson killed people. We prevented old people who needed these vaccines from getting them. Guess how many, and I'll answer for you, I won't make you guess, but guess how many people over 65 got the initial primary two-dose regimen? 96% of Americans over 65, okay? 
So, 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 so what we did, and by the way, I wasn't against that for older people at that time. I wasn't, and you can find me saying that. But the, the vaccine hesitancy was almost zero in the United States. Where the United States broke off from Europe was after the first booster, and then this certainly in 2022 with the spring booster and the fall booster. So in the United States right now, only about 15%, only about 40 million adults out of the you know 250 million adults who could get the fall booster have gotten and so so people just don't want any more of these shots we're speaking with alex berenson wanted to ask you um, about why elon musk has blocked you again on twitter <laughs> again, uh, like, i guess elon and i have a have a fraught relationship i don't know what to call it um so look, Elon, you know, he bought Twitter. He knows he overpaid for it. Um, and, you know, a pretty actually heroic act in some ways. He, he really believes in free speech. He believes that Twitter was being run by these sort of ultra leftists who are using it to kind of what he calls a woke mind virus to get ultra liberal ideas out there that, you know, have ruined San Francisco and that are, you know, problematic all over the place. So he bought Twitter. OK, then he decided he was going to open these corporate files to to a handful of journalists and let you know let us write what we wanted. Now that is to me that's a that's a really heroic act. Companies don't do that, and there's real risk for Elon that Twitter might get sued as a result of something you know those files being open. He knows that he's not stupid. I mean, you say many things about Elon Musk. He's not stupid. He knows that, and so he did it knowing that. And so, unfortunately, I think because we're in this crazy, hyper-partisan environment, some of the really interesting stuff that came out of the files, especially about the FBI leaning on Twitter, um, you know, has just been ignored by the mainstream media, by the sort of, by the, you know, the New, the New York Times of the world. And so, so, um, so he... So he, I think, it's frustrated by. So, this. so he and, did. Did he read? Did he like? Did you just get a one day pick up your phone and get a text from Elon Musk? Hey, do you want to come out here and go through some of these files? Yes, pretty really? much. That's how it went. That's so I cool. Yes. So I came out, and it's this cool. I mean, it's this weird but cool process where Elon, um, uh, or Elon, he's not doing, it, but these Twitter employees are. Uh, you know, they show you files, and you can kind of look through them. And, 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 and it's completely true. Elon puts no pressure on you what to write, what not to write. He's mad at me because I said to him, look, there's these long threads I don't think is a great idea. I don't think people are reading to the end of them. I'm going to substack this, and I'm going to put highlights on my Twitter feed. And I thought ah, he understood that. Okay. So he, when it came out, he said, you should have put everything out in this long thread. I said, I told you I wasn't going to do that. So then he blocked me again. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, I hope he'll get over it. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But the real problem is that he, I think he's frustrated that he took this great risk. Some really interesting stuff has come out, and the media just is ignoring it. And, man, it. you yeah. took some I, – I, I've seen you take some heat before, but, but after you put out your Twitter files, and we'll talk about the essence of what you found in those files, you really – I mean, people piled on you heavily, and some, yeah, some of the other guys, too. Yeah, well, the, yes. The, I mean, and weirdly enough, it's from the right. I think that, you know, the right really wants Fauci's head on a platter. Yeah. And, like, well, look, there may be stuff in the files. I didn't see that stuff. And, and, and so I didn't do that. I wrote a story about how Pfizer had leaned on Twitter. Um, and I thought it was a pretty good story, but it wasn't Fauci. And so people were upset about that. Um, so, guys, I got to go. So one okay. more question. Give me one more. Um, the, the lawsuit, Joe Biden. 
Um, you put that out there on Friday. Has it officially been filed yet? And- no, it, is, it has not been filed. Uh, it's not going to be filed for a little while. Um, what I was saying, you know, my, my lawyer has a first draft. You know, that's the first draft. we got to go through it. we got to strengthen it. There's some very interesting legal issues, some very interesting factual issues. My allegation is that, you know, the Biden administration and senior officials in the Biden administration and Pfizer and, and a director of Pfizer named Scott Gottlieb, who, you know, is on TV all the time and who was the head of the FDA, worked together to force Twitter to ban me, even though Twitter didn't yeah. really want to. And I think we have pretty strong evidence. And, you know, we'll take it to court and see what happens. Find his work on his Substack under reported truths he's actually back on twitter at alex berenson alex um as always man we appreciate your stuff and uh happy new year great pleasure you too guys thanks it's the hammer and nigel show